Your stories don't define you. How you tell them will. Hi, I'm Sarah Elkins, your host and chief storymaker of Elkins Consulting. Many of my clients reach out to me because they're in transition. Their children are hitting milestone ages. They want more from their work. They're hitting a big number birthday. And they want to develop clarity about their natural strengths, what their next adventure might look like. In this series, you'll hear me ask my guests questions to dig deeply into the stories that shaped their lives, stories that uncover patterns and may unveil insights into dissatisfaction and also where their strengths lie and where they found and continue to find joy. This podcast's intention is to have listeners think of their own related stories and how they tell them, discovering the internal messages that are limiting their success and discovering how to shift their stories so they become positive life lessons to move them forward. If you're curious about what it would be like to work with me, visit elkinsconsulting.com and schedule a one-time 90-minute StrengthsFinder session. I will never understand why people are so resistant to the power that is the platform of LinkedIn. Mm. I get that people are uncomfortable with social media generally sometimes, and I get that you can end up with a feed full of motivational memes, which kind of make my stomach ache a little, vomit a little in my mouth, or you can end up with a whole bunch of salespeople and it can be really obnoxious. But what people don't understand is that when you choose who you see in your feed by the interesting content that you find and by connecting with one person who connects you with 14 other people, that this platform can be an amazing tool for connection. And that is how I met today's guest, Janine Hamner-Holman, who reached out to me on LinkedIn after she saw something I posted about No Longer Virtual. And we found out that we had a few mutual connections. And she reached out and said, let's talk. And we had a phone call. And I have a feeling that in five years or so, we'll be looking back at that and say, and the rest is history. But for right now, it's only been a few months. <laughs> so we're just going to have to go with it from now. But Janine, thank you so much for joining me on Your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them Will. Oh, you're welcome, Sarah. I am so thrilled to be here with you. And so happy that I got brave and reached out that day on LinkedIn. Yes, me too. And isn't it funny that we know that it takes some effort, it takes that courage of reaching out to somebody you don't know and saying something personal, like I saw you post about this and that matters to me. Mm -hmm. And it is brave. And thank mm -hmm. you for saying that. Oh, you're, you're welcome. I was just on LinkedIn in my feed. There was something from a man in probably, I would guess his mid forties posted a picture of himself looking incredibly sad. And he was talking about his mental health journey over the last several months and how things have been hard and how reticent he's been to post that and how, how much we have a story in our heads about who men are supposed to be and men are supposed to be strong and they're supposed to man up and, and how worried he had been about posting this. And there were like 6,000 comments that people had posted all of support and encouragement. And so when we, one of the things that, that I had, I contributed with him 
was we have this ridiculous idea that vulnerability is weak. And the reality is it is exactly the opposite. Vulnerability is strong. You can't be vulnerable and be weak. It takes courage. It takes getting outside of ourselves in our comfort zone and doing something that feels a little uncomfortable, just like when I first reached out to you and look at what's happened. <laughs> I agree. And the other thing that I've noticed is that for some reason, people think that resilience means without help. <laughs> and I have told this story so many times about when I was hiking with my family and the boys were four and six and we had camped out that night and the next day we were taking this long hike and about two miles from the trailhead, my husband fell and broke his leg. Oh my goodness. And I had to get my family off a mountain. And you know what I did that was so hard? The hardest thing about getting my family off a mountain was enlisting help. Not because it wasn't there, but because I had to ask for it. Right. And that was my my biggest aha moment that that's that is power in itself is understanding that resilience doesn't mean without help. Right. Oh. And we all we all have we all have nonsense in our heads. And one of the nonsensical things that our culture has put in our head is is this idea. And I think Americans are particularly susceptible to it because we have this myth in America of pulling myself up by my own bootstraps, which is really a ridiculous idea. Anything that we're up to that's a big thing. We need other people in it. Mm -hmm. Human beings are, we are pack animals. We are herd animals. We need other people to be at our best and to challenge us and to encourage us and to help us. And I, I, I used to have a big post-it note on my computer that I would look at all the time that said the smartest people ask for, because I had it that that a people don't ask for help and b if you if you need to ask for help then you're something less than smart and maybe even stupid mm -hmm. and and i i can't be with the idea that i might be stupid <laughs> so um, <laughs> and one of my many coaches and mentors said to me at one point like okay you're not stupid but you're being an idiot <laughs> <laughs> Those are two very different things. There's an important exactly. distinction. Right? You're not bad. You may have done a bad thing. You're not stupid, but you're being idiotic. The smartest people ask for help. The smartest people enlist other people, enroll mm -hmm. other people in what they're up to and create a, a club or a group a or community. A, whatever it is, right. a community mm -hmm. that is up to something with them. I, I love that you just said that. And there are two things that popped into my head as we started this. And one is, that's why I love what I do in terms of using StrengthsFinder to help build teams. Yeah. Because one of the biggest mistakes we make is thinking we have to be good at everything. And the damage that does not only to our own psyche and confidence, but the damage that does in terms of not being able to recognize others, acknowledge them for the beauty that they bring that's different from our own. Right. And I can tell you, the moment I hired somebody to do my bookkeeping, 
my income went up more than enough to cover that cost. Right. And that alone should be a lesson for every single human. That the moment you hire somebody to do something they're really good at that you, A, aren't good at, or, and, or, B, have no interest in doing, right. you, you're scratching them behind the ears. You're like, you're good at this and I appreciate it and I value it because I'm not. But the moment you want coaching on storytelling, public speaking, strengths finder, you reach out to me and I will serve that purpose. That's my role. <laughs> so that's the first thing that popped into my head. And it took me into my 40s to get there, which is kind of sad. But you know, that's part of what makes me a good coach is I'm still, I'm still doing it, <laughs> still seeking that. The other thing that popped into my head when you said we're so devoted to this idea, this myth of pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps is that no one has ever done that by themselves. Right. Because every person has either gone to school, whether that's public school, which is paid for by taxes, or they have driven on our roads that are paid for through our public taxes, or um, served in the military that is paid for through our public <laughs> taxes. I mean, all the public infrastructure that we have that we use means that we have been dependent on others. And even the people who challenged us in the most negative ways, traumatized us in some ways, helped us grow into the being we are for better or for worse. You did not do it alone. Right. I promise you. Even if it was out of spite, your success is out of spite for somebody treating <laughs> you badly. You didn't do it on your own. You had some motivation to spite the crap out of this person. <laughs> so anyway, those are the two things that popped in my head. I want to back up though, because we never got to the first question that I love to ask my guests and I want to get to it because um, I know it's going to be a, an insightful one with you Great. because I, I've met you once before. We recorded one of your podcasts with me as a guest. That's right. So I would love to hear from you something about yourself that most people might not know, something that isn't on your LinkedIn profile or your bio and I know there's something in your past that is going to surprise people or at least catch us a little off guard. So something that most people don't know about me is that I am an avid scuba diver and I, I am a total water baby. The ocean is my, is my happy place. And I had created a story that I, I was going to get certified, like at some point in the future, when I had the time and when I had the money and when I was going to be going someplace where you could scuba dive. Well, the reality is we never have the time and we never have the money. We make priority decisions about how we use our time and how we use our money. And I live in Southern California. <laughs> I live in Pasadena and 22 miles away is the ocean. And 22 miles from that is the island of Catalina, which is su surrounded by the world's largest kelp forest. And so I realized that on my 40th birthday, that I was going to make a choice to spend time and spend money and learn how to scuba dive. And I did. And the thing that got me immediately hooked about it 
was I thought it was going to be easy and it was hard. The first time I went underneath the water and I'm supposed to be breathing and it's huge, this vast ocean, I had a little bit of a panic attack and it's like, oh, oh, don't, don't leave me. I kept saying in my head to my instructor who was right there with me, like, ooh, stay, stay here with, I don't, I'm not sure I got this. And then as I kept getting better at it, it kept getting more and more scientific because there's a lot about being under the ocean and, and how our bodies work under pressure and how air works under pressure that you have to learn. And I, my experience in high school and college had always been science and math, not my jam. Like you want to ask me about, I was an English and political science double major. Like that is what I love. And so like having to learn about biology and physics and chemistry, like it was, it was constantly challenging. And I realized as an adult, we don't always put ourselves in situations where we get to learn something new and challenging where like you're at risk. There's, there's some stakes here. Like (laughs) if I mess this up, there could actually be significant consequences. So, and then I, I continued to fall in love with it such that I jumped from the recreational track to the professional track so that I can, I can't certify you to scuba dive, but I can help somebody else certify you to scuba dive. I mean, it's, it was, it's, it's a huge passion. And part of what I love about it is under the ocean, the only thing that you hear is your own breathing. It is quiet and calm and peaceful. And then when you're back up above the ocean, talking with the other folks who are doing it, it's this immersive experience. And so most of what you guys... Yeah, <laughs> literally. And most of what you're talking about is being in the ocean and what you saw. And there's a lot in the community of telling stories, really to keep the community safe. And so people tell stories about when things didn't go so great, because it is a recreational sport in which people can and do die. And so it's important to keep the community safe. And so for however long you're doing it, whether it's a day or a week or a weekend, there's sort of nothing else in your head. You're not worrying about that fight that you had or that thing that you said or that that deadline that you've got coming up when you get back. It's it's a mental and physical break like nothing else I've ever experienced. That's amazing. And it just speaks volumes about you and your strengths. <laughs> I love hearing stories like that because then I can look at your strengths and go, yep, yep. yep. Ticking off the boxes there. (laughs) I love that. What I love about it, especially, is this whole idea that as adults, so many times we don't take those risks to try something new that's going to make us really uncomfortable, especially those with some pretty significant consequences. But there are many who don't even take the risk that 
don't have significant consequences except for not doing them. And I think people forget to look at it from that perspective. Right. So for instance, my brother is learning Spanish. He, he's been spending a lot of time in Mexico and learning Spanish, taking Spanish lessons, and he is learning to speak fluent Spanish. This is something he took on in his 40s. Mm-hmm. And learning a new language in your 40s, any, anything hard. over 16 pretty much is going to be hard. <laughs> and he's doing it. He's working really hard at it. And he's putting himself in some really awkward positions of mm-hmm. not being the expert. And he's the oldest of three. So he's the expert uh, in everything. Yep. <laughs> but I am so proud of this aspect of him putting himself in this vulnerable position of not knowing something and having to learn, having to ask for help and practicing with Spanish speaking people, putting himself in that kind of uncomfortable circumstance. Many of us would not do that Mm -hmm. because it's just too uncomfortable. And he's thinking in terms of consequences of not doing it. I, I would rather put myself in this position trying something and being uncomfortable and being vulnerable than the, uh, than the alternative, which is to never learn Spanish and go, go to Spanish speaking countries and not be able to communicate because this is part of his dream for his retirement. Mm. So I love that. And I just had this experience when I did some work for a team that was way out of my comfort zone. I've, I've done the kind of work they asked me to do, but this was just not on my radar. And I remember when I finished the second session, it was two strategic planning sessions for an agency that I knew nothing about or knew nothing about prior. Right. And I was so stressed about it because it was so, as my friend Ashley says, so stretchy. I was really so <laughs> uncomfortably stretchy, but kind of stretchy, like eating way too much in tight pants when you're Thanksgiving or whatever, Thanksgiving, like really right. uncomfortably stretchy. And, um, when I went in for a massage after the second session, I remember having this release, like my eyes filled with tears and I don't usually cry, uh-huh. but for some reason, something about this massage had me kind of just releasing. And the masseuse said, well, what's going on? What is all this stress in your shoulders? I told him what I had done. And I said, it was successful. I completed it. I gave them the notes. They were really pleased with the results. And he said, that was really brave. And I remember laying there on the table going, oh, yes, Sue. Check me out. Yeah. Right? So I just, and it was big consequences for my business. My reputation, I'm selling me. It's right. all about my business and what I do. So yeah, it was major consequences if I didn't succeed in that. So I love that you took that on at 40 and <laughs> knowing that this isn't, and, and thinking it was going to be easier than it was going to be. Yeah. So tell me when you think about that, stepping out and doing something, cause you, you're like, I'm doing this. I've always wanted to do this. My mom was almost 40 when she went back to school to be a nurse for the same reason. I've always wanted to be a nurse. I was never good at science. She nailed it, graduated summa cum laude with an awesome. RN. So what is a time where you had to apply that recently, where you had to say, I'm, I'm going to do this again, obviously probably not quite such significant circumstances like <laughs> learning how to scuba dive. Right. But when did you apply this recently? I think the most recent time, I mean, one of the things that I've realized about myself 
is that this idea of having something at stake, having having an element of risk is actually part of what gets me up in the morning. It's part of where I derive excitement and satisfaction from. Challenge. Challenge. Yeah. And I had an opportunity back in February. I was the final keynote speaker for the U.S. Navy's first summit on diversity, which was a huge honor, right? And right before that, I had had an opportunity to be a panelist among a number of people who were talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And one of the things that really struck me is that, was that I was the only white person who was on the panel and all of the other panelists were young black women. And then when I was in DC, the summit, the Navy summit was three days long. And I was one of two white women panelists and one of four white human panelists over a three-day conference. And so it was a lot of people of color, mostly Black women. And one of the things that the women kept talking about was how fearful they are that we're going to get to some point in the future and look back on this current period of time in which we find ourselves right now. And it's going to be just another thing that happened at some point and nothing systemically is going to change. Mm. And so I got to thinking about like, well, why I'm afraid of that too. And what are the conditions that are helping us to feel like that's maybe a likelihood? And then, so what do I do about it? And I ended up deciding that part of what's happening is that for very good reasons, the conversation around diversity for the last two years has largely been a black and white conversation. And if it stays exclusively that, we are more likely to not make the systemic change that we need. And that there is no organization in the US where practitioners who are doing this work can come together and have some of the hard conversations that need to be had and workshop new ideas and collectively come up with new best practices and share information and learn with and from each other. And so I decided to create it. And it's going to be called the Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging Professionals Association. And because we can never do anything by ourselves that is big, I am creating an advisory board And I have a co-founder who is a Black disabled man. And the advisory board is intentionally male and female, straight, gay, lesbian, transgender, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Buddhist, atheist, agnostic, Latino, Asian, Pacific Islander, Native American, white, Black, young, medium, older, like all all of the abled and disabled 
neurodiverse, all of the different flavors that humans come in. Because my belief is that our opportunity with what's been happening around diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging is really to get to the inclusion and belonging part. That's that's the juice at the end of the rainbow. That's what we all need is to feel included and to feel as though we belong back to that mm-hmm. humans are our herd animals. And there's hard stuff that we get to grapple with on the road to that, but that that's really, that's the end point. That's the goal. And if we keep the goal in mind, it's easier to get through the hard conversations and the hard work that needs to happen on our journey towards inclusion and belonging. So that's the most that's uh, stretchy. getting outside <laughs> of my comfort zone. And I am a white woman doing this work who has been told on numerous occasions, you don't belong in this room. And so getting over that and also creating this collective that is that represents the panoply of humanity. But, but realizing, well, if not me, then who? Because mm-hmm. nobody, nobody's creating it. So, so again, two things that immediately came to mind. One is that if we want to make this a sustainable change, not just a conversation, but change, right. internal, external, I mean, everything has to shift away from a discussion about one group or another. It's not about women's rights. It's not about equal rights. It's not about, it's about inclusion and recognizing and valuing and finding beauty in all of those differences. Right. And not trying to make somebody equal to another person because we're not. Right. And, And we can't ever be. And that's where that whole strengths thing comes in again, which is if I'm not valuing somebody who who does things and thinks differently, then I am not bringing my best self because right. I think I have to do everything or think everything or be everything. It, it comes back to this whole idea of as adults, so many times we don't take that time to be stretchy, to try something that's out of our comfort zone that is that feels like a risk. Mm-hmm. And those conversations and looking in the mirror for our own bias that's where our growth is going to be. I have a friend who says nobody ever grew staying at home and being comfortable. <laughs> and you, you don't grow when you're sitting in the bar. I mean, you might. <laughs> you you might can learn a lot. Or but that is not the same. <laughs> yeah. You but, can learn yeah. a lot. Like you can be a, a couch potato learning a ton right. of stuff. But if you never apply it, then there's no growth. Grow. Right. Yeah. And some people are okay with that. Right. And that's that that is I have no judgment for that. There are some people who have been through so much in their lives that they are perfectly happy with comfort and they're going to stay there. Yep. And that's as long as they are satisfied in that place and it's not coming out in negative ways in their relationships or complaining nonstop because they're lonely, 
or poor or not growing or bored, right? <laughs> Once they get there, then we have something to talk about. But if they're content there and, and they see their lives for what they are and are content there for as long as they can be, yeah, no judgment, no judgment for that. And as long as they're not throwing stones at those of us who are wanting to be stretchy. Right. And, yeah. and trying new things. Yes, absolutely. Putting ourselves in that vulnerable position of having those difficult conversations. Right. Yeah. Ooh, that's a it's, lot. It's, it's a lot. And it is, it is what I feel called in my heart to do. The first 17 years of my working career, I was working for social change nonprofit organizations. And for a lot of different reasons, this feels like coming back to that work just in through a different door. And it's a a little woo-woo, but I had my, now now I'm not going to call it the wrong thing. There's a, there's a, there are people who are trained, often Reiki practitioners, who are trained to read a file of Mm -hmm. Of the you. Akashic records. That's it. Yeah, I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I had it, I had it done. And what kept coming to the person who was reading my records is that my purpose is inclusion. That that is what I'm all about. And as I think about sort of the things that I've done personally and professionally over the course of my life so far. Ultimately, that has always been the focus. It's not surprising to me that I got into scuba diving and loved it so much that I wanted to help teach this to other people. I I want everybody can experience it too. Right. I want everybody in with me because Um, because of your experience with the peace and the community. Right. As a result of that activity. Yeah. And how it's just it's joyful for me being under the water and, and, and it's so beautiful. And, and the world is covered in so much water. Like let's get, get out there and explore it. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. And come on along. If that sounds good to you, if it doesn't sound good to you, then great. Muzzle talk. I'll take you on a hike on a mountain and you'll exactly. have the, you, you a, can a do similar that. experience. But way up high where it's very quiet, except you hear the wind coming through the trees. If you can be very quiet and you're not around people or city, and it sounds like a wave Mm. coming up the side of the mountain when you hear the wind coming through the trees, it literally sounds like you're standing on the beach and listening to the waves. Mm. It's amazing. And there's Mm. something so mindful and peaceful about that. And it can be just as dangerous if you're in bear country and mountain lions around here. And yeah, and I'm tiny. I'm five foot two and (laughs) pretty small. So I'm kind of bait for those mountain lions. Yeah. So being aware of your surroundings. And if you, if your brain is going into that internal dialogue about your deadlines and what you shouldn't have said or should have said, or the fight you had with your kid that morning, you are putting yourself at great risk if you're out in the the wilderness, even if it's a a 20 minute walk from your home where I live, that's wilderness. I can walk 20 (laughs) minutes and be in wilderness with wild animals. So yeah. So I hear you. I'm so lucky. I am grateful every day for, for the, the life that I have. 
Let's let's bring this full circle. I think where we've gone with this, especially, is that that sense that we need to challenge ourselves mm. in a way that feels. I'm going to call out my friend Ashley because she's the one that gave me that phrase of feeling stretchy. That when we do this, and it's so uncomfortable, if we have what you said really resonated with me. If we have the ultimate goal in mind, then that stretchiness is something we can work through. Mm-hmm. If we're doing it just for the sake of stretchiness, we may not follow through. We may not right. finish. But in, in my case for doing the strategic planning, the ultimate result was that this very critical community organization, a housing partnership, starts to make some important cultural shifts or is a guide toward the, the how they're going to address the next six months to two years of uncertainty in the housing market for people who can't afford housing. That was my ultimate goal. Like, how do I make sure that they get out of this something that this was a money well spent because this is money that's not going toward other programs? They're paying me to do this. So that was the goal. When I think about you and your stretchiness of this organization and putting yourself in a position where you are the minority, anyone who has ever done that knows that it is uncomfortable no matter what you're doing, whether you're the only man in a group of women or the only woman in a group of men or the only 60-year-old in a group of 20-year-olds or or the only Black person in a group of white people. Whatever that is, we all know that that takes a level of vulnerability and strength and courage that not everyone has to be able to call on that. And you're, you're doing this because of your purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe that when we get really clear on what, what the purpose is behind this, what the, what my mission is, then I'm willing it's, it's worth it to me. I'm willing to feel stretchy. I'm willing to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because I'm uncomfortable a lot. And so <laughs> it's I, the place I, you live, right? <laughs> yes. you know, and leading conversations around diversity by their very nature. These are uncomfortable conversations. We are looking at times when we have been made to feel less than or when we've made others feel less than by their very nature, they're hard conversations. And so, but it's, it's worth it to me because the end is everybody feeling, having the experience of feeling included. Everyone have the experience of knowing that they belong. Mm-hmm. That's And they can contribute. And that they can contribute because- and that they matter. Exactly. Their purpose is just as important as yours in this case, especially in this situation, because once they understand that they have value to add, that they are contributors, active contributors, that's when the magic happens. Right. Yeah. And it's been an amazing experience just so far in, in helping to make this manifest. Everyone who I've said, here's what I'm doing. And I would love it if you would be on the advisory board helping me create this. Every single person who I have asked has said yes. 
And in part, I'm, I'm being smart and strategic about who I'm asking. Mm-hmm. And everyone sees the opportunity. Everyone sees the need. And, and when we stay focused on the opportunity to be part of creating a world in which everyone can feel included, in which everyone belongs, so we've dealt with, we've dealt with the equity we've dealt with the diversity we've we've we're at the we're at the end of the rainbow and like that's that's worth it and people are are responding to the call and it's it's been it's been very fulfilling and joyful awesome yeah Janine, this has been such a pleasure. And for our listeners, I will have links to Janine's website and how to get in touch with her via LinkedIn in the show notes associated with this podcast at elkinsconsulting.com. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners before we go? Maybe what other resources you have out there that people can look at? So one of the things that I know that you and I both love paying attention to is listening and intentional listening. On my website, jnjcg.com, to which there will be a link in the show notes, there is an assessment that you can take for free about how you listen and what your opportunities might be to grow as a listener. So it's one of the things that that I love helping to support people around. And if that sounds intriguing to you, check it out. Absolutely. I highly recommend any resources to improve our active listening skills. I can tell you that when I started really focusing on that, making it an integrated part of my life and my business, my relationship changed with my boys. And they are twenty, almost 21 and 23 now. And thank goodness it changed when they were teenagers instead of waiting until they were adults because there have been some hard years in between. So yes. Highly recommend any resources related to <laughs> knowing where your blind spots are in terms of listening and, and knowing what you already do very well. So yeah, Janine, thank you so much for joining me. I so appreciate your time. It has truly been my honor. Thank you for, for having me, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you.